Hello, Hooray for Monday listeners. This week, Jenna shares with us a fascinating conversation she had with a mathematician about curiosity. Hello, Jenna. Hello, Aletta. So what inspired this week's Hooray for Monday? Curiosity. We talk about curiosity all the time here at Inspired Teaching, and it's a fundamental part of the work we do with teachers and within our own practice. Curiosity leads us to approach things from a place of wonder and interest, which is necessary for real learning to take place. We've been featuring weekly curiosities and Hooray for Monday since earlier this year, and the diverse array of contributions we've received from the Inspired Teaching community have certainly piqued our curiosity here as well. My conversation with Dr. Cecilia Denise Bain, who is a professor of applied mathematics in Colorado, stemmed from those weekly contributions. We wanted to share with our Hooray for Monday subscribers a more in-depth look at curiosity that fuels some really interesting and knowledgeable people in some fascinating fields. Which is a wonderful way for our audience to discover new ways to tap into their own curiosity and new ideas for nurturing curiosity in their students. So now to the conversation with Cecilia. As you mentioned, she's a professor of applied mathematics. That's right. She teaches and conducts research at a few institutions in Colorado, but is primarily at the Colorado School of Mines. I've known Cecilia since our freshman year in college a long time ago, and I never tire of hearing her light up about the work she does. Which is? Well, as her title suggests, she applies mathematics to real world issues. As you'll hear in our conversation, some of her research is focused on sleep and circadian rhythms. She and her research team develop mathematical models to help better understand how sleep cycles change over time or in the presence of an illness or other environmental disruption. Sounds like important and complex research. Oh yeah, there were a few times during our conversation where I had to follow up to better understand something. As you might imagine, applied mathematics has its own language, but Cecilia shared some curiosity starters that I think our listeners will find just as compelling as I did. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to hearing your conversation and those to come with our upcoming guests in the weeks ahead. Let's get to it. I'm Aletta Margolis, and this is Hooray for Monday, your inspiration and toolkit for the week ahead. Fireflies and mathematical models. Hooray for Monday, July 17, 2023. So my name is Cecilia Denise Bain, and I'm an associate professor of applied mathematics at Colorado School of Mines. And I also have uh, courtesy appointments at the University of Colorado Boulder in integrative physiology and at the University of Colorado Medical School in pediatrics. And my days are filled with some kind of combination, uh, like most professors, of teaching, research, and service. The summer is is our big time for research because a lot of the other obligations around the university sort of slow down over the summer. And so it's a time that I spend working with my collaborators and graduate students all the time and really trying to um, move our research forward. And so the kinds of things that fill my days with that are usually reading lots of articles of other kinds of science that people are doing, science and math, and uh, thinking about those things and how they relate to the kinds of problems we're working on, doing some computer coding for the models that we're working on, and then uh, meeting with my collaborators and graduate students to talk about those projects. 
sounds like that would be work that is fueled by a lot of curiosity, which is what we're talking with you about today. So if someone were curious about these intersections between mathematics and biology, what would you recommend they do to start learning more? Where are some places that they could go to start exploring what exactly that means? I think it's been a fun development. One of the positives that came out of the pandemic that people have a lot more awareness of what math can do in biology and especially the type of math that we work on, which is more predictive models and thinking about how can we take data that we know and think about what may happen in the future. So we heard a lot about doing that um, with epidemic modeling and trying to understand what might happen um, in different scenarios with COVID. So there are many other kinds of interesting contexts with that. And I think that there are some, some good resources online, like the Society for Mathematical Biology and the Society for Industrial and Applied Math has a life sciences activity group that has sort of where math might be playing a role in, in particular areas. And then there also are, are some nice books that I think are very accessible. Um, one of my favorites on that is called Sync by Stephen Strogatz um, at Cornell. And that talks about a lot of things with sort of oscillators and how does synchrony and oscillators manifest in different biological things? And this is everything from the types of mathematical neuroscience applications that I think about and the syn synchronizing of spiking neurons to things like fireflies synchronizing um, in, in certain parts of Asia and having this very dramatic kind of flash. And you can find videos of that online that are really interesting um, to see that kind of rhythmic synchronous spiking or firing flashing of the fireflies. For those of us who may not use this vocabulary regularly, when you talked about oscillations, is that another word for syncing or what, what does that mean? An oscillation is something that is varying in some sort of periodic way over time. So like, even though if we think about the calendar year, then that's an oscillation. If we think about just like the time of day, if we were plotting time of day, you know, we would kind of increase up to noon and then, or, you know, maybe increase up to midnight and then decrease down and sort of start over. So it's something that's happening cyclically. Um, and so anything that happens cyclically, you can think of as an oscillation. Tides would be an example of that, of an oscillation. Yep, tides could be an example of an oscillation. When we when we think about simple oscillations that you might encounter in math class, it would be like a sine wave or cosine wave would be a simple oscillation. So if we think about um, it's anything that's happening periodically. So in the firefly example, each firefly is flashing with some frequency. And so if you were just sitting there with a stopwatch, you could sort of see when is the, the firefly going to flash. And then once you determined what that frequency was, then you could predict when their next flash was going to happen. And so the interesting that happens in synchrony is when you have many different oscillators that then start working together to do something. And so in the case of the fireflies, if you looked at each individual firefly, like if, if they were isolated, you could measure this and you would see what their intrinsic frequency was, how often they were regularly flashing. But then if you put them all together, they get this feedback from each other. And so then they all change. So then you could say, okay, now all of my fireflies are going to flash at a, a specific point in time and, and see the synchronous flashing of all of the oscillators going together. 
That sounds amazing. And I'm picturing, I'm picturing what that looks like now. And I'm going to be looking at my fireflies in my backyard. They're probably not going to do exactly that, but um, it'd be cool if I saw a couple of them doing it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's a, it's particular species of fireflies that that do this kind of synchronous behavior, but it's really dramatic when you see it, it will be like an entire forest that just like has this flash of lighting up across and sometimes um, because you do have that spatial element if you're looking at a bigger distance then it's, it's a little bit like a wave where it's like you know if sort of doing the wave in a stadium it's like the fireflies are doing that with their flashing across the, the distance that is very cool well we'll have to we'll link to some um videos of that in our show notes so people can see what that looks like um so what you've just described right now kind of speaks to this already but what role does curiosity play in your work so i think curiosity is the main thing that drives all researchers and you know everybody who's who has the opportunity to really be involved in research and learning more and new things about the way the world works um, or some little aspect of the world works is really the motivating factor. So that's, you know, I think that that definitely defines what what research really is. Great. And so what about right now? What are you curious about at this point in time and how are you pursuing that curiosity? So um, in my group, some of the, the main things that we focus on are uh, mathematical modeling of sleep and circadian rhythms. And so circadian rhythms are like the 24 hour day type rhythms that we have and sort of the reason uh, that we sleep at different times. And so some of the things that I'm curious about are what, what um, goes wrong in the way that different neurons in the brain are working to control your sleep and circadian rhythms. Um, in the case of certain sleep disorders, like narcolepsy. Um, I'm also interested just in general, how do these things change across the lifespan? So we, you know, we kind of think about sleep in a certain way that, you know, many of us sleep at a certain time at night, but that can be different if you have a different type of schedule. Um, maybe you have to do shift work that requires you to be awake at times during the night. Um, and then it also changes across the lifespan. So, you know, if you have an infant, then you know that you're waking up um, at all different times because babies don't only sleep at night. And so um, the whole way that that system that controls all of that sleep timing changes across development and then changes with aging as well um, are things that I'm, I'm really curious about. As you're pursuing that curiosity, is that something that you explore in just people? Do you study it in animals? Do you do like sleep studies where people come in and sleep and you watch how they sleep? How do you explore that curiosity? Oh yeah, and I actually, I should say, I, I started with one thing and then I like got into all of my sleep and circadian stuff. But I, yeah, so, so more generally, um, my group looks at these questions in mathematical modeling of sleep and circadian rhythms, mathematical modeling of metabolism, so glucose and insulin dynamics, and then more generally sort of the theory of networks and what we can understand about the structure of networks and features of networks. And so that leads to all different kinds of questions about curiosity, particularly in how these systems work 
at different times in your life and at different uh, and in the presence of different diseases like diabetes and a lot of what we do is try to see can we identify small changes say in the way that your glucose and insulin profiles interact that tells us something about the way that that your metabolism is functioning and can be really helpful for something like personalized medicine then to know like which drugs might be the best drugs to treat you or what kinds of interventions other than than pharmacological interventions could could potentially be helpful so Yes. So all of those things are things that we're curious about. And the lens that we use in addressing this is really mathematical modeling. And so how can we distill down the key elements of this system and represent them in a model? And it's a constant iterative process because, of course, you're doing simplification um, as you develop these models. And then you are kind of going back to the data to see what are the features of the data that I capture, what are the features of the data that um, I'm not representing very well, and then you try to predict forward to, you know, understand, well, what might the effect of this drug be, or what might we do if, say, there's a child who was doing fine on a sleep schedule where they were napping every day, but now they're starting to drop a nap and having all of these difficulties going to bed at night and, you know, kind of creating all of this, this difficulty in the family. How does this really interact with how their physiology is changing and what might be a strategy that you could use that would, you know, maybe just um, changing the timing of bedtime or something that could actually help um, with that? Well, I think that that research could make a lot of parents very happy. So that makes a lot of sense. Share a time when your curiosity was peaked when you were a student in school. And if, as you think about that, did teachers play a role in sparking that curiosity? And if so, how? I think the thing that really jumps to mind for me was when I really first discovered mathematical biology as a field. And so this is when I was in college and it was actually, um, you know, we had talked about this in various examples during class, but I have this vivid memory of taking the final exam and sort of working through these problems on the final exam. And there was a question on the final exam that was about blood pressure. And it was about, um, about modeling blood pressure with this differential equation and then predicting how blood pressure would change in the presence of different medication and different exercise regimes and things like that. And so it really opened my mind to the idea that we could use these equations in a really interesting way. And I had been really interested in questions in biology. You know, I, I toyed with the idea of being a biology major, but I felt like actually bringing this mathematical perspective to it was was going to be the best way for me to make contributions um, to these questions in medicine that I was really interested in. And so, so that's how I became curious about that topic. And then, you know, talking more with that professor and starting to do more research on my own, I eventually found a path um, that way. And, and, you know, even coming from much more of a pure math kind of background in undergrad, I still um, kind of found my way into the applied math side in graduate school and, and am able to be working in this field right now. If you could get other people curious about one thing this summer, what would it be? That's a good question. 
I feel like there are so many different things. And one of the wonderful things about curiosity is that it manifests so differently in people. And that kind of gives us the amazing breadth of scientific exploration and, and arts and literature and all of these different things sort of guided by different kinds of curiosities. I have to think about so it would be interesting for people to find a way to sort of explore that type of curiosity I feel like it's a really interesting experience when you start out as a graduate student and you hear about these narrow fields that people are working in that they're really passionate about um, because of course you you know in doing research you have to be a specialist and you kind of think like how how did they know that's what they liked or how did you find that area and then it's very interesting when you kind of go through that process yourself and it's like you're doing lots of different kinds of math and lots of different pieces of applications and then it kind of comes together in some way that really resonates for you so it's like for me i really like a lot of more abstract geometry and topology kinds of concepts but i don't like spending all of my time working on that in, in in the abstract way there are people who do that kind of thing and have their own curiosities about that but for me i'm more interested in using those ideas in understanding the kinds of systems that i'm modeling and what does this mean about like the long-term behavior of complicated systems or things like that and so i try to integrate those things in a way that makes sense for me and then I can say oh yeah I'm really interested in these you know geometric methods of analyzing differential equations and that's sort of a great niche for me um, in that and and it brings these things together and then I apply it in all of these areas of biology and that's also a great niche for me because it's another great interest that I have so getting other people curious maybe about the intersection of things um is is the idea that i'm trying to get at because i think you know where different kinds of fields and ideas and things intersect is where there's so much potential and so getting people to think about you know okay this is something maybe that i'm interested in and how does this intersect with some other thing and you know math could be fun because i think you know math does tend to get a bad rap but I think generally the intersection of things and where that type of intersection could lead. Links to the resources are in the written version and in the notes for this episode. This week, we've included three really interesting articles for those of you who would like to delve more deeply into the topics Cecilia discussed. Student programming. Applications are now open for the 2023-2024 Real World History course the only credit-bearing course available to all public, charter, and independent school students in Washington, D.C. Real-world history is taught through inquiry, equipping students with crucial skills that prepare them to thrive in our complex 21st century world. Real-world history students complete an oral history project on the Great Migration during the fall semester and have the opportunity to intern at one of Washington, D.C.'s many amazing cultural institutions in the spring. For more information and to access the application, check out the link in our show notes. Hooray for Monday is an award-winning weekly publication of Center for Inspired Teaching, an independent nonprofit organization that invests in and supports teachers. 
Inspired Teaching provides transformative improvisation-based professional learning for teachers that is 100% engaging intellectually, emotionally, and physically. Our mission is to create radical change in the school experience away from compliance and toward authentic engagement. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.